Hello, beautiful people. How your spirit doing? Welcome to another episode of Peace Talk Podcast. Come in, kick your shoes off, get comfortable, take your panties off, ladies. Just slide them down. I don't know why that got so sexual so fast, but that can happen, fellas. You can put, you know, pull pull your dick out from the dick hole. Just just let let it let just let the let the flaccid penis just hang. You know, keep the balls in, but let the penis hang. My, my name is uh, Day Peace. I am a comedian. Uh, if for those who don't know, and uh, I say actor a lot, and I feel like this is the episode to to go into. I am no longer labeling the episode, so this could be episode four, or this can be episode forty six. I don't fucking know. You just gotta tune in, and we'll see. I may air them uh, out of order, and that that's why I'm no longer saying this. This is that. This, nah, just you just gotta tune in and uh stay with me but today's episode i really want to focus on comedy i want to talk about my comedy story where i met how you know like just the journey and and where i stand right now with comedy and by the end of the episode i have a huge announcement some of you may know about it some of you may not know and so you can't skip to the end because i'm not going to put it at the very end it's going to be like the middle end you know what i mean like almost like i'm almost there just keep going (laughs) just keep swimming okay for those who don't know this may be your first time listening i just want to let you know right off jump this shit goes all over the place okay you just get you gotta man the fuck up this is one of those like hey either you are with me or you are not i, <laughs> I had a friend listen to an episode and she said hey i like it it made me laugh but there's just a lot of squirrel moments and uh she's absolutely right uh i could be talking about one topic then i just go right off in in a different direction and that's what can happen i realize it's not for everybody but this is the process and this is where i'm at so with that i want to talk a lot about comedy today this is a obviously what i do for a living it's my profession i want to talk about how i got into comedy and i to kind of it's going to be one of those you know we're going to put a pin in this we're going to back up we're going to go forward and i want to i want to start last year i want to start 2019 that was just my my best year of doing comedy just hands down every statistical category for the most part and a moment that really opened up things for me was when i had an opportunity to sit down with albert lee tribune which is uh in southern Minnesota. It's a small town. Uh, It's bigger than where I live in this fucking hellhole. It's not a hellhole, but I'm just mad at it right now. We had a fucking snowstorm today. And it, like, you know how you get a store, like a snort, a snow storm warning or like a weather warning. Like, you know, you you can't leave the house from, you know, 6 a.m. to 1 p.m. No, not here. Not here, nigga. No. They like you can't like a snowstorm is gonna start at 11 a.m. on Friday, and we're gonna be done sometime Saturday night. <laughs> just, just like a, what? What do you mean? Like, stop it! I hate fucking snow. Like people like, oh, don't you? Like when I lived in Arizona, like, oh, don't you miss having a white Christmas? I'm like, I married a white bitch. Like, I, I we have Chris, white Christmas every year. Okay, uh, <laughs> don't call your wife a bitch. She, sometimes she's a bitch. What am I supposed to call her? Uh, a sweetheart. And sometimes I'm an asshole, you know, like sometimes she, we call each other what we are at the moment. So, uh, I want to go back to, I had an opportunity to sit down and, and, and do like the real interview. This young lady named Sarah wrote in a tri- tri- like terrific article, but some of the questions that she was asking really just made me want to revisit that, that, 
that mind frame that I had, you know, it was, it was a lot of the typical, how did you get into comedy? You know, uh, what, what inspires you? When did you think you or know you were funny? Like all those things. And I thought that's where we would start. So hands down growing up, I credit a lot of my wanting to be a comedian, uh, feeling like I was funny to Martin Lawrence at a later episode. I am going to put it, put together and compose a list of my top 10 favorite comedians of all time and hands down Martin Lawrence is on that list he is uh easily the reason why I wanted to be a comedian like I got into it like I got into the game for for because of him I remember I was in elementary school I was dating a girl named Siobhan who was you know a red boner you know that that's light skin black girl you know light complexion and uh i used to call her gina uh which you know was played by teacher campbell who uh light skinned as well and i didn't have two guy best friends at this time i had one but he was like dumb and smart so i used to call him tommy cole so i had my gina i had my tommy cole and i i used to just imitate or emulate in a, in a lot of ways Martin and not like I didn't talk like him but I think I like his mannerisms and this is you know back then when when he had a show on Fox and it was a, a really great show it had a uh, very tremendous run and I got a chance to meet Martin once I don't know if you can call this like a, a, a you know it wasn't like a meet cute or as I think that's what they call it. we met for like uh, in a matter of seconds and I was completely starstruck I met like I I it was it was bad y'all like I you know you ever have a moment in your life that you replay in your head and and you're like I hope nobody else sees it <laughs> you know like it was it was it was embarrassing and uh you know I, I'll go ahead and share this so this happened a couple years ago wow I guess when I say a couple I mean more than a couple this i was i was still working at the sneaker company which uh the name i realized i hadn't shared was finish line i was with this company uh named finish line sneaker company for uh, a little over nine years like they fired me which i'm I'm still a little petty about my my dreams is that you know like I, i i get famous and i buy finish line like all the store like the company and i I sell it for like three dollars i don't know why in my mind maybe i'm just a billionaire and i can afford to lose millions of dollars but uh i just give you know i just i give out free shoes to uh homeless people and and uh but but all the wrong sizes you know like if you wear a size seven you get the new jordans in a size 13 i don't know why stupid I was with this company for nine years. They they fired me uh, for poor performance, which I'm gonna be honest with you, they were right, <laughs> but like, but like, not by not for lack of of trying. Out of all the jobs I've ever had in my life, uh, comedy aside, this was a job that I was insanely loyal to, and I really tried and gave my all. I had the best boss that I had ever had in my life. You know, when you get a boss that you just love, that is just behind you, ride or die, you go the extra mile for them. They fired him. (laughs) He was like the best boss I ever had in my life. And, you know, and, and as far as the direction the company was going in, they made the best decision for them. 
Then they bring in this this woman boss, and not that it has nothing to do with her being a woman. It, it probably does. It, like I, I don't know why I was gonna like, um, you know, I'm not gonna pull back. Like it had a lot to do with she was a woman, but it not it's not. I'm not speaking on all women, just her particularly. Uh, I didn't I didn't care for it. We like for the moment we met, we didn't like each other and. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I would love to tell you and speculate on why our relationship was the way that it was, but that that that's that's neither here nor there at this point. But we didn't care for each other, and for a good two years, she worked very hard to to get me fired. And uh, like the first year. I won. You know, like you, you ever like you know you go up against somebody and you like we going toe to toe and I won. Like she tried her hardest. She threw some shit at me. I just I, I I was like I was like Mayweather, baby. I, I don't like I don't like Mayweather anymore. So I'm gonna go with Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali is is great. I was like Muhammad Ali, baby. I'm just I'm dodging and ducking. Is a boom boom. You know, and I won. The second year, you know, she came back stronger than ever. You know what I'm saying? She was, she was, she was much more well prepared than I was, and I got caught up. I don't know why I I shared that story. That has nothing to do with meeting Martin Lawrence, but uh, we'll rewind. But I was with this company. One of the things that you did, I, and I had a great position. I was I was a store manager, which uh, my favorite boss, John, he had promoted me to a manager trainer when you're a manager trainer you go to other stores and you help train you know like rookie managers to be better at their job and and you basically lend your assistance to do whatever you can to make sure their store is successful so you sort of watch and manage your own store but you oversee other stores and one of those things that you do is you help when when it when you open a new a new store a new location we were opening a new location in vegas and uh, the, this was back when John was my boss, and I was happy to go to Vegas and 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 open this store, which is a lot of fucking work. And I know you're like, oh, you get to go to Vegas? It's, no, that's not. It's no, it's a fucking lie. <laughs> like you, you when when you work, you work. We would work these long ass, you know, ten, fourteen hour days, and we would get, you know, we didn't have enough enough time for anything else other than really sleep and we underestimated the project the project was like we're gonna go out there for two to three days get this shit ready to go it was uh in one of the malls on the strip boom bang get out of there uh and it happened to take much longer uh we ended up staying almost a week uh some people stayed even longer than that but one of the days we were just determined to go out and you know basically celebrate the idea that we were in Vegas, like we got to do something Vegasy. If you've never been to Vegas, people, you are missing out in life. Vegas is crazy. Some people go to Vegas for like a, a long period of time. Like if you go to Vegas for like four days, that's way too fucking long. You gotta Vegas is is a quickie place to go. Like you go two and a half days. Uh, you you go, you do Vegas shit. It never sleeps. You drink, you have fun. You spend way too much fucking money. You get whatever it is that you want to do. It's fa- it's crazy. Like it, prostitution is legal there, so it's you have to experience Vegas. But you know, we lived in Arizona, so Vegas was like five hours away. We you know by the you know fifth or sixth time, we were kind of like let's just cut this in half, and then 
and then it got to a point where we only went to Vegas to visit like our favorite spots. There was like, oh, this place has the best Bloody Mary or or this place has really good, you know, like bakery items or, or steak, you know, like what, whatever it is. This one night we were just like, we were tired from work and like, let's just go out and have a couple of drinks. We go out and have a couple of drinks for whatever reason. We find ourselves at the Venetian Hotel walking through the lobby and up walks Martin Lawrence. I instantly know it's him. He was with two women, one on each side. I don't know if it was his wife at the time. I don't want to put his business out there for him or her. Somebody may hear this and uh, be like, oh, you had a side chick back in, you know, twenty. 14 whatever the fucking year was and um, you know you told me you was going to go do a show whatever the case was he walks up and i am in complete star struck ism i don't know what you know what word i'm trying to say and i couldn't say anything it was a group of about five of us it was me and another brother the other brother said everything that i wanted to say like he was like he was like what's up What's up, Martin? I don't know. I think he could have called him Marty Mart. Like, whatever he did and called him, I wish I did and, and called him. I mean, what up, Martin? Big fan. And and he did, like, the boom, the hand thing. And I'm literally just standing there like a bunny rabbit. I don't know why bunny rabbit, but that's what I felt like at the time. I'm, I'm, and all I could do is look at it with my eyes. Like, in, in, my, in my spirit, I'm using my eyes to say all the things that, that like I want to say but my mouth was like it just fucking took a, a break you know I wanted to say Martin you want the reasons I got into comedy huge fan thank you this you know like whatever get a picture I don't even know if our phones were doing taking pictures at this time um now that I think about it it was it was probably like 2011 maybe 12 but nothing could come out i'm just staring at him and i feel like you know obviously i remember this moment for the rest of my life i'm sure martin walked off like that whole group was kind of cool except for that one dude who kept staring at me what with his eyes like it was it was fucking weird that was my moment of meeting the reason why i got into comedy uh, <laughs> and i think of that moment a lot because you know like obviously i would love to get it back and and, and say more say something say one thing that would be great um, every time I play back, I don't remember saying anything. So maybe I could have blacked out and maybe I, I was fucking cool as shit. It was like, Hey, Mar, what's up? Hey, you, you know, check me out. Comedian data, whatever, maybe, but, uh, odds are I stood there and, uh, pissed my pants. I don't know. I didn't piss my pants, but so I go to that moment because growing up, I, I, I really, uh, looked at this guy as that guy uh even before the martin show you know and i was kind of you know imitating him you know when i when i first saw him in his stand-up debut which was you so crazy oh my fucking goodness i i i just at this time in my life had never laughed that hard and the funny thing about you so crazy and the martin show and uh, Def Jam, you know, me seeing him do jazz, I'm like, what's, why are these people out of their seats and, and going crazy, like, there was a lot of the shit I didn't understand, you know what I'm saying, like, these things he was talking about, this content I didn't quite get but I, I was I was laughing at the things that I did and the things I didn't know other people were laughing and laughter was so infectious, I'm like, I was just like I was just hooked, y'all um and the thing about Def Jam, 
And Def Jam hit at a time that was so necessary for black comedy and the culture. I had an opportunity to work with uh, Jimmy Walker, JJ from Good Time, who is by far one of my least favorite people I've ever worked with. He was horrible. It was a horrible situation. If there's time, I'll tell it. But I don't know if there is. But one of the good things that came out of that experience was him kind of sharing and talking about at this time, you know, having Def Jam be this, you know, great, you know, platform for black comedy and black comedians. Because there was a time where, you know, it was very rare and few that a black comic would be able to get on the late nights. And this is back then when late night comedy was like, you made it. When you can make it on Carson, you made it. You know, the, the doors they just open up with opportunity but there was times where you know if you did get on these shows you couldn't even sit on the couch like that was a huge thing you can get on these fucking shows you can do your five minute set but you couldn't sit down and do a little quick interview shake your hand thanks for coming get out of here nigger you know whatever that was it was it was it was sad and disappointing so when Def Jam happened you know Russell Simmons and you know they partnered with HBO to just be like hey Let's get this out there. Because at this time, you know, the chitlin circuit is what they called it. Like, these comedians knew uh, about one another. They knew the the next up-and-comer. They knew the ones that had been doing it for a long time. So when they were able to put together an air Def Jam, that just, you know, opened up a lot of, hey, we're here. Uh, So that was just great. So, I, you know, I saw Martin, you know, on Def Jam and then his show. and, And then You So Crazy. I'm like, oh, my goodness. This is, you know comedy like this is just comedy at its highest level i just i was i, I loved it so it, it was an elementary where i knew i was funny where i really started to imitate and, and make other people laugh and find the joy out of that comedy as far as me and my comedy career starting that journey did not start or happen until i left detroit at the age of 19 and i moved to minnesota and it's trying to figure out what the fuck to do with my life in minnesota and uh I don't know if I if someone told me about Acme Comedy Club or if I was just doing the research, but I found and heard about this comedy club called Acme. That didn't happen until I was, you know, 21 because I was dating a girl, Laura, who I mentioned in the one of the previous episodes. And I just was at this. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And it, it was really a shit or get off the pot, you know, moment where. You know, I, I can have this in the back of my mind about wanting to do or try stand-up comedy. I can do it and say I did it, you know, and be done with it. Or I can always wish and hope and wonder. And it took me, it took me a good, it took me a good two years, you know, for me to really sort of convince myself to give it a try. And I gave it a try. I, you know, I went down, I signed, uh, you know, you got to sign your name. And if it's your first time, you put a star by your name that guaranteed that you were going to be able to perform. So I went down there and after really like ah, thinking about doing it, think about doing it. I had, you know, a couple of jokes prepared. Uh, I, you know, I, I was like, I'm going to fucking let's do it. And I get on stage and it was a very horrible experience. <laughs> like, I wouldn't say that I bombed. But I would say it was very, it was a unique bomb. It was, it was, it, it was interesting. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, I'll tell you exactly what happened and what I said. This is Peace Talk Podcast. Peace Talk Podcast.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the plan was to go down to Acme Comedy Club, one of the best, you know, clubs in the country, once again, still is, and do their open mic. Like I say, you sign up, you do a star, I get on stage. But before I share what I said, when I moved to Minnesota, uh, it was because my friend Deontay, like you were like my best friend and high school we, we knew each other in middle school but we didn't become best friends until high school in high school we were like telling everybody we were twins he was like he was like a brother to me like we were like brothers and uh it was like you know not like we would call each other twins because my birthday was march 5th his was march 8th and that's just what you did like you just in the black community you just be you, that's my sister cousin and you know like on your mother's side and you know your twins now and it was weird we don't look nothing like we 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 had some similar like we had very feminine you know mannerisms you know it, it was kind of like boys you know trying to figure out how to be men but not having any real direction and guidance I would say his father was was one of the the first you know friend fathers that that I really sort of you know looked up to and admired as far as you know that head of household male you know figure because I didn't have that growing up. So yeah, when I moved to Minnesota with him, I became friends with a lot of his friends. He had this one friend named Dan, and I don't know where how the conversation came up, but it had a lot to do with hey, I want to do comedy, I'm going to try it, I'm going to you know do it one of these days. And he was like, you know what you should do? This is how you should start it up. You should get on stage and 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 say and ask, is anybody from Grand Forks, North Dakota? And then say fuck Grand Forks, North Dakota. <laughs> I don't know why. When he said that, like the words came out of his mouth and like floated over to me, and I'm like, this is pure genius. This is like the greatest thing. Any, this is the greatest way anybody can ever open up a comedy set. Mind you, at this time, I had never been to Grand Forks, North Dakota. I have never, I had never been to North Dakota. I didn't even know where North Dakota was on the map. But I had decided right then and there. That's how I would open up. So I get to the club, uh, very intimidating because their open mics is just great. It's like packed. It's a packed room, y'all. And they call me up. Uh, I had three minutes and I was first up. Wasn't even sure how it actually worked, but, you know, they they, they dim the lights. They do the rules and like first up uh, day day. This is uh, my first stage name. It really was comedian day day, but it was day day and I get on stage and I, I don't think I said the Grand Forks part. I think I just got on stage and was like, hey, anybody from North Dakota? And I got a bunch of people that was from North Dakota, you know, geography, like geographically, like it's right there. And there was a bunch of people that's wooing and hollering for Grand, for North Dakota. And I'm like, uh, fuck, fuck North Dakota. I'm angry. That's how I started my set off, guys. Uh, by saying, is anybody from North Dakota? Taking a quick pause and saying, fuck North Dakota, I'm angry. Like this is, these are the first, this is the start of my you know, illustrious comedy career. <laughs> when I did that, I very, very early 
alienated the entire crowd. I, my whole representation became angry black man, and it is, and is, and if history has taught us anything, they, they in America they do not take kindly to angry black men. We don't take kindly to angry black folk. Okay, no, what what do you have to be angry about? You know, you weren't a slave. Whatever it is. And I, I proceed to my second joke, but after seeing that as an opening, I felt the crowd like, whoa, can we laugh and should we, <laughs> you know? And I go on with my with my three-minute set, which goes very quick. Like, it just, uh, And I remember having a closer, which was basically like a reverse racism joke where it was like, I like white people. When I get famous, I'm going to buy a lot of you and and have you in my backyards, you know, picking fruit and and mowing the lawn and see how you like it. That was my punchline. See how you like it. I got some chuckles, but, you know, I I put the microphone back in the stand. I very much just like ran out of there almost i thought it was a very you know eight mile eminem b rabbit moment where like you know i'll be back and i did not get back on stage for a whole year a whole year had passed and i didn't even attempt or, or think about getting back on stage I, you know, told Deontay and, and he was like, you should have told us we would have been out there to support you. But I didn't want anybody out there. I wanted to to really do this on my own. And I realized I have a couple of those moments in my life where it's like, I got to I gotta figure this shit out for me. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. However, in comedy, especially when you start off, you need a lot of support. You need just a lot of people to help push you. And then once you get this plane off the air you need people to continue to support there's always this drop off when you first start doing comedy people are supportive they want to come out they want to see what it's all about they want to see if you're funny and then they get to a point where they're like uh, we, we 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 were at a show before we saw it we we caught you one time we we know you're good you got this you know it's actually when you are doing shitty where people come out more they're like oh he needs us there and they're like we ain't nobody else gonna laugh but us you know jojo he, he ain't that he ain't that good so <laughs> so a whole year went by i mentioned i was in a relationship uh this was kind of year two so this is when things had kind of started to take a turn with my relationship with laura and i had basically you know tried to figure out what what it is that i want to do and I'm like, I gotta, I want to try comedy again. And I signed up. This time it was at a very different location. It was a very shitty open mic type place that had been doing comedy for like, you know, 11 years. It was a very comic room. You know, like most of the crowd is, are comics and there's only like four or five real audience members each and every time. And it's very like dark, edgy. Yeah, I'm going to talk about you know, murdering my parents and, and wishing I was in the board. It like just like really like dark, crazy shit. And um, you know, it, it it that was the room for it. It's called Grumpy's. It was downtown, uh <laughs> it was downtown uh uh in Minneapolis. And uh I, I got in a, we got in an argument right before the show. I can't tell you what the argument was. I I do not remember. I just remember feeling like i can't believe this is happening right now 
And I could have very well started it. Like, it could have been very well my far. But she was off to college at this time. Uh, she, she was actually in North Dakota. <laughs> she went to college at a, a college called Moorhead. And, and so we had, like, this long-distance thing for for a while. And, and that was just uh, weird and hard. And we got in an argument. And, like, I remember going into the, the, the room and having my set list and essentially just throwing it out and, and talking about the argument that we just had. And I, you know, I got some chuckles and some laughs and I don't, again, I don't know everything that I talked about on stage, but I just remember getting off stage for the first time and feeling like, okay, like this is fun. I want to, I want to do this again. And so for the next couple of months, I started doing the open mic, you know, I was basically getting on stage, you know, once or twice a week, my relationship was coming to an end. And this was at the time where I was getting promoted and I just like, get me out of Minnesota. And so I get transferred to North Iowa where they have zero zilch, no type of comedy. And so I just kind of thought that was it for comedy. And so I'm here in Mason City, Iowa for about a full year. When I moved here, you know, and I, as I would meet people, I would tell people, hey, you know, I do comedy or I did comedy, whatever that is. And that sort of kind of sparked an opportunity that, that, you know, presented itself uh, probably a year when I was, uh, maybe not a full year, but yeah, it, it, it presented itself. There was a guy named Jeff who had this bar as a brother. Uh, and he, he basically opened this bar and, we just kind of got the talk and was like, I love to have you come and, and, you know, make people laugh. And I do it. And it was a really shitty opportunity, like setup, you know, it, it, we didn't know what we were doing. So, you know, I didn't realize you need a stage and light. like, I didn't realize that we just basically, you know, he, he played some music, gave me, you know, told a joke, handed me the microphone. And for like 30 minutes, uh, I'm actually, I, oh, wow, I just remembered it was, it was a two setter. It was a two set night where you, you, I perform, we take a break and then I perform again. <laughs> wow. I just remember that. <laughs> I just remember that. Uh, the problem, like the major problem was the sound. It was a bar that, you know, uh, like three fourths of the people there, you know, it was just, it was one of those long rectangle room. We did the comedy right in the front. So like three fourths of the room was like loud people talking, not giving a shit what was happening as far as comedy. And if you don't understand, you have to listen and hear comedy. So, so I'm performing in the front and I'm, I'm basically trying to stick to the set list, whatever it is that I had wrote down, I'm doing these jokes. And for those who can kind of hear, they're kind of laughing, but as far as my confidence, I'm not, I'm not getting that feedback. So I'm feeling like I'm just doing a shitty job and this is dumb and we shouldn't have done this. I don't know why this is happening. Like this is, this is, I quit, you know, like I want to, like, I want to walk out, but I finished my first set. I'm sure I had a drink or a shot or something in between doing the second set. And by the time I did the second set, I won't say I threw out my my set list but I was way more loose not drunk but like way more loose and so I was I was kind of touching what I I wanted to talk about but I also was just kind of like riffing this is like the first time I think I had riffed um in the sense of like talking to the audience and 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 incorporating 
the things that I had wrote. So it was like, you know, like it ended up being a really fun time. It was so fun. I'm like, we got to do this again. And we made it like almost like this annual thing where I came back and did it a second time uh, almost a year later. And by the time we did the second one, that was just really fun because I felt like we we knew what we were doing. We, you know, like we really quieted the crowd the second time. And that was fun. But, you know, I'm not really doing comedy right you know, because I'm, I'm doing like a set a year or I'm doing one set every eight months. You can't, you can't do shit with that. So, um, I started kind of reaching out to the local artists. It was like local hip hop artists where I would like do, you know, a couple of minutes before the show or during the intermission. And that just kind of helped me kind of tap different, you know, uh, like, like into like different markets. And what really sort of, I won't say changed my life, but as far as like my comedy, um, he, you know, Jeff wanted to, you know, he, he actually moved his, his, his bar a couple of times. And in this last location, it was like this really great spot. And he wanted to really, you know, get like national act because he would have bands that would come through and play. And he, he wanted to get national comedy acts. And there was one national comic, uh, I, I hate that I don't know this. Maybe I would find it in like my little comedy box. Yes, I have a comedy box and I have like old flyers and, you know, like my first comedy condom. I don't know what that means, but and, uh, it, they came through. Uh, I was like the local opener. So I did like five to seven minutes of my quote unquote best material, which was very garbage. And uh, they performed. And I was like, okay, like, let me be the guy that, you know, when you have these acts, let me, let me perform. And he ended up booking a comic again, don't know his name, national. And he canceled and he canceled like a week before the show, not even a week. He probably canceled like five days before the show. And I was going to do 15 minutes. This is a big deal. As you learn, comedy is all about minutes. You know, like I said, the first time I ever got on stage was three minutes. So one of the things that I worked on and learned very fast with my comedy was how to be funny fast. Just quick, boom, boom, you know, one-liners, just hitting them with this, hey, he's funny. I like what he's saying. Uh, However, at this time, I'm not talking about shit. I have no real, you know, substance. Nothing's very relatable. It's just like you know, hey, George Bush is dumb, you know, like, oh, we're about to have a black president, you know, his name was Obama, it rhymes with Osama, like, it was just, you know, whatever it was, it was, it was pure garbage, but it, 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 it had that, kind, you know, it had that kind of funny, so, uh, that was, uh, that was a thing, so he, he cancels, and I had prepared 15 minutes, and again, it's, it wasn't really a great 15 minutes, however, it was, you know, a collection of everything that I had done up until this point. And I, I felt good about the 15 minutes. When uh, he canceled, you know, Jeff kind of called me. We had a conversation. I was like, hey, do you want to, should we still do the show? You know, if we were to do the show, we would have to at least do, you know, you know, like a 45 minute set. That's, that's a traditional headlining set. You know, we were going to do the show for, for an hour headliner is going to do 45 minutes. I was going to do 15. We're just going to do a, do an hour. And, you know, I just had this type of, you know, I want to say confidence. It could have even been ego 
or arrogance. But I'm like, yeah, no, let's fuck it, let's do it. You know, I'll, I'll do the 45 minute. Like I'm talking as if I have 45 minutes of material. And we, what I what I learned is I had 45 minutes, but only like again, 15 minutes is was was good. We do the show, cancel. Uh, I mean, he can't, uh, you know, the, the guy cancels. I go, I do the show. I stretch my 15 minutes. So I basically write, you know, and perform and practice in the, you know, in the, our spare bedroom, this, this set. And this is going to be the longest time I had ever done. I'm crazy unprepared and, and, and like, I'm just not ready for this moment. And I perform and it was not bad. Like it wasn't horrible. Uh, I recorded it. I have it. I've watched it recently. Uh, I watched it uh, like two years ago. It's not bad. It's not good. However, at the end of the show, he hands me a envelope with 50 bucks. And this is the first time I got paid for comedy. And he basically said, hey, we would have canceled the show. I wouldn't have made any money if we didn't do the show. So here and thank you. And I was like, I'm a comedian now, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, when I tell you, y'all, I held on to that $50 for like the longest, uh, I, I, I mean years. I had it for years. I'm, I'm sure I, I, I spent it like when, when times got rough, probably when I got fired. It's probably when, it's probably when I spent it. Um, but as the story goes, uh, I moved to Arizona. You know, I, I told Monica, like, hey, I don't want to be here in Iowa any longer. <laughs> like, this is just a temporary thing for me. I want to go to Arizona because my sister, that's where she's at. And we had vacation out there. And, and, and Tiffany, she's from, she's not my real sister, but, like, she's my sister, you know what I mean? And she's a sister what of it. I uh, love her to death. And she had moved out to Arizona. She had been there for a while. And, and she really just kind of provided another you know, like, hey, you should come out here, and, and we vacationed out to Arizona, we went to Vegas, we just had this, like, really, like, great, I love to live here, and that's what I think a lot of people don't understand, like, y'all can fucking move, you can get up and, and leave, I hate where I live, you can just leave, I know it's not crazy easy, but you can do it, and we, we moved to Arizona, and it just took a while for Arizona to, to, to work I had just a great time in Arizona like hands down loved it my wife just did not she just had a completely different experience and it took me you know again about another year before I got on stage again so everything up until this point was just me getting on stage and trying it and 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 pretending to be a comic I wish to death from the first time I got on stage and Graham, you know, anybody from North Dakota, I wish I, from that moment I would have stayed doing comedy. Um, cause if that, I would have been like 18 something years, you know, 19 years in, but I didn't, I stopped and I just did these little fucking janky ass shows. And I was just trying to make, you know, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. The moment didn't come until I was in, uh, Arizona, and again, it was just like, I want to, I want to get back. I want to, you know, I want to do this. I want to, let's go check out a, an open mic. So I kind of talked my sister into, to going 
uh, and we go to this place that had open mic out this day that, you know, worked for us. And I sort of just, you know, walk in and it's a really just, when I say shitty room, there's nothing wrong with shitty rooms, shitty comedy rooms, shitty open mics. There's nothing really wrong with that. Everybody's got to start somewhere. But, you know, when you start doing clubs and other places and you look back, you're like, that was a shitty place. But I talked the guy into letting me do a couple of minutes. He let me do a couple of minutes. I pretty much do, you know, the jokes that I had done these previous years. You know, like so, you know, when I was doing shows once every eight months, I'm doing those jokes and they're hitting. But again, they're not really good jokes. They're just hitting because of the one thing that people will say and tell you is I got great stage presence that was my thing I can sell a joke like even if it wasn't that funny I can sell you and make you you know think or believe that's one of the great things about I think my performance is um you know when I'm when I'm on stage and I'm performing I'm bringing you you know I'm like I'm forcing you to laugh so I do a set there and that was February 10th 2011 and from then I started doing more shows and 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 really kind of figuring things out along the way and and that was the day that I now credit as when I started my comedy career it was the day where I, I basically picked up the microphone again and haven't picked and haven't put it down since so I'm gonna take a quick break and I'll be right back this is peace talk podcast So my big announcement, I decided I'll throw it in right now, is I am now at a point in my career where I've, I'm going to record my first comedy album. This is like very huge, very scary and exciting, but uh, like I feel like it's time. In the last nine years, I feel like I've learned a lot and I've, I've grown. One of the biggest things was, you know, like I said, when you're first getting on stage, you're saying a bunch of funny shit and you're like, oh, laugh at me. And, and then you start like, hey, here's my life. You know, one of the things uh, that even Kevin Hart has said, uh, who was also in my top 10. But again, that list is coming. That episode is coming is, you know, it's great to make people laugh. But what are, what are you saying? If you can't get off stage and, and people don't know a little bit about you, you know, then then you're missing, you know, the point you're missing your opportunity to really connect to people and that's when I started you know talking about being in an interracial you know relationship and you know then further having you know mixed kids and so on and so forth moving back to Iowa it's like okay now where do we do with you know where do we go with comedy because at this time I you know it was 2016 I you know I, I was making you know a pretty decent you know wave with, with comedy in Arizona and moving here is just like you got to start all over and so that's why these first couple of years were, were, were very challenging because not only did I not want to start all over but I also had to figure out how to make it work in this area so like I said when 2019 happened and we sat down and did this interview I just really started to revisit this entire process um when did I know I wanted to be a comedian I, I I don't I, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. No, when I knew I wanted to be a comedian, um, 
I just I, I just remember having some really great shows early on, just a lot of early success where one of the things you want as a as a new comic is for other comics and older comics and veteran to kind of take notice. So when they have opportunities, they're like, hey, that guy is funny. He's new. Let me throw him on a show. Um, I remember working at a comedy club called The Comedy Spot, which <laughs> at this time... There wasn't a lot of comedy clubs, quote unquote, in Arizona, but there was these two rival, you know, Scottsdale, Arizona comedy clubs. Scottsdale, super fancy, y'all. And uh, they had, they, it was a stupid, real, it was like, it was stupid dumb. Comedy beefs are stupid. And uh, I've had a couple, and I'm telling you, they're fucking stupid, but they're fun at the time, they're, they're, they're juicy. But long story short, and I don't have all the details, but, you know, one of the guys, you know, the, the, the two the two rivals, they used to be close friends. They used to work at the same club. And basically they had a falling out. And the guy was like, I'm going to go make my own club. And he went to go do his own club. His name was Howard Hughes, who uh, actually ended up being on Bar Rescue uh, with his comedy club called uh, Stand Up uh, Stand Up Scottsdale. And they were the rivals of the comedy spot. And it was just fucking weird. The thing about the comedy spot was the owner was a, is a fucking dick. His name is Dylan. Uh, Sean, well, Sean, Sean Dylan. Uh, Sean Dillingham is his full name. But he was never a dick to me until the end. What I mean is he was one of those club owners and he was a comic himself. He had this thing about like you can't perform at other places if you perform at his club, and you definitely got banned if you associated with the with the rival club. And I didn't really think much about any of that. Um, at this time, I didn't fucking care. Like I just you know, I just want stage time and I want to get better. And I had some just great shows there. And uh, that's when I got a chance to work with Rain Pryor, who is uh, Richard Pryor's uh, daughter. And for some reason, that that experience was just one of my first favorite comedy experience. I, I look back at that moment as like, wow, because uh, for me, it's like the closest thing to, to Richard. And Richard is also in my uh, top 10 of all times and it was it was just a great experience as a young comic i remember watching this guy named mike malone who i just uh was just in in all he actually just put out a comedy special i think it's called life after death on amazon prime and it's doing numbers and he he was just like my first favorite national headliner that came through and i just happened to be on the show and work with him and he is just like great. And I, I would put in requests. Like every time he was coming to the club, I was like, "Can I work with this guy?" And so for two years, I worked at this club. And when I say work, I mean uh, I would get booked there. But then I would also it was like my 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 neighbor, you know, it was my neighborhood club. So I would get booked there, you know, probably once every three months or every three or four months. But then I would also just kind of go there and. You know, sometimes I would, uh, you know, he'd ask me to host or throw me up and do a guest spot. Like I was just, I was there and I was, I was honing my craft and I was, I was, I don't know if I was getting better, 
but I definitely was growing because I was, I was, you know, I was being able to be in front of crowds and make them laugh and, and just kind of, you know, work on the, you know, the, the, my material that I had. I, so I, yeah, I was getting better, but it was, it was, just, it was a fun time. And then, you know, I started to do other shows and that started to create, you know, this like, oh, so you're doing these shows and oh, you're, you're, you're taking money out of my pocket. And my whole conversation with him was, and again, I, I never wanted to like burn bridges, but my whole thing was, I didn't mind not doing other places, you know, like, you know, my thing was, I'm, I'm, I'm happy here, you know, like, uh, those other places, you know, I'm good. Like I, there was no real need to do other places. I feel like what I was doing at this time was benefiting from working at this club. So I was, I was very happy, uh, for the most part, but then, uh, a big comedy club had basically moved into town and it scared all the other clubs and all the other shows. And that, that's when things became like, you can't do this or you can't do that. And I'm like, "Mm, you don't pay me like that. You know what I mean? Like, if if a if you if comics or whoever listens to this like if you're in a situation where you can benefit from please do but if someone telling you you can't do this and you can't do that they ha- they better provide great reasoning you know you can't just be like you can't work that club just because like because you should work my club but they're not giving you the money to to pass on these gigs so it just got to a point where um and the funny thing is, like, for, for a very long time, he would ban people. He would he just had this reputation of being this dick and being this way with comics. And I was just like, I hadn't experienced that until I was to a point where I was like, you know what? I I feel like I've either outgrown this club or I've outgrown this situation. I was still just, you know, open and act. I was just, you know, happy to 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 open. And that's when I started to, to go on and, and do other shows. And that's kind of when I started to really, really grow. So my first two years was really a, a, me having an opportunity to work in a club and, and, and be in front of a bunch of uh, mostly white people. It was Scottsdale, <laughs> but and fancy white people, you know, uh, but it was it was a great it was a great first year. Or, I'm sorry. It was a it was a great first two years. I think that opportunity really was a great way to start the career and now where I'm at is like I gotta put a comedy album out I gotta you know I I gotta get a DVD out I I got to let people know more people know that I'm here and I'm doing this and that I'm funny so that is uh, really my big thing I'm very excited about and I'm working toward that that will happen in March here in, in North Iowa it's called Peace of Mind I go and do these little runs and tours and I call them a bunch of things. And the next thing that I'm focused on, especially 2020 is just having a peace of mind. So that's kind of it. That, that's kind of my, what I wanted to talk to you guys about. Um, I, I hope this was, this wasn't the episode I was expecting. I thought I was going to get like down and dirty and talk about some shit, but uh, I really love being able to kind of walk through that, you know that other part of 
you know, how I started comedy. Because, you know, if you ask me, hey, how long you've been doing comedy? I really just say, you know, almost nine years. I started February 10th in Arizona. And, you know, I started my first two years at a club. And then after that, I just kind of started spreading my wings and learning how to get better and, and so on and so forth. But I never ever get an opportunity to share from the first time I ever got on stage. And I'm assuming this was, you know, 2000 and like five maybe 2006 something like that i never get a chance to talk about you know from the first time i got on stage and then just those weird you know couple of years of doing like you know eight shows in the in the span of like five years or whatever it is and uh you know that's also a part of it um, again, I can't credit myself as saying I was a comedian during that time, but I can credit the the courage that it took for me to get on stage and try it and fail and and not fucking know what I'm doing and get my first you know paid gig and and take all of that to Arizona because I I like to think by the time I got to Arizona I was very much ready to to roll up my sleeves and 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 go at comedy, which is what I feel like I did. And now where I feel like I'm I'm at my comedy career is, again, time to roll up my sleeves and put out a product that more people can hear, listen to, and laugh and sort of challenge myself. I When I tell you I am terrified, you know, obviously uh, one of the factors is I want to make sure it's great and it's funny and it's something that will age and grow. Like, like I said with Martin, he's so crazy. This is something you can laugh at then, you can laugh at now. This is something, this is a product that I want to put out. That would be out forever, you know, until we die, or, you know, dinosaurs take over again, whatever the case is. But I, I also got to get people there. This is a complete independent show. Like I have zero sponsorship. And, and you know, if you're, if you're listening and you want to help sponsor that show or my podcast, uh, it I can use it and I appreciate it. You can you send me PayPal. I don't care how you send it to me, but this this whole journey it takes more than just me um so obviously i gotta make sure there's people there it's a theater i want to sell it out and i'm excited but i'm i'm terrified this is probably the i remember getting married and being surprisingly nervous like even though i know what the vagina is like and like you know i know this woman we have like we had a kid already like even though i knew that there was you know something that was intimidating about you know proposing to her and actually getting married and I, I I'm having that and I don't even know about having kids I felt that type of you know nervous fear like but but I feel it and I I, I think it's gonna make me be great I think it's gonna make this uh, this show be amazing but uh, I I can only hope so that that's it that's all i got for you guys today i hope this was kind of uh interesting as far as kind of learning some things these are stories i don't get to to tell and share that often and you guys should feel you know privileged that you guys are the only ones to hear and know about this these are things like i said one of the reasons why i do the the podcast is i get to share these types of stories and content that i don't do on stage or i do another uh facet of my life so Thank you very much, guys, for uh, tuning in. I love putting these things together and putting it out for you guys. And I love the feedback. If you guys uh, have questions, please get them in. Uh, you can email me at 
uh, comedian day day uh, comedian d-a-y-d-a-y at gmail you can reach me on some of my social medias and uh, I would love to answer more questions uh, on a uh, you know on a uh, future episode that would be pretty dope more more or less i also um are just looking for like if you have topics or like i know sometimes i'm, I'm going all over the place and you're like oh you 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 mentioned that but you didn't finish that story like if you have those uh hit me with those and i'll try to make sure i squeeze them in for the next one other than that i'm gonna go ahead and, and wrap this up this has been uh very fun uh i don't know if this is like the funniest episode I don't know if you laughed a lot, but I know you definitely learned a lot and I feel like we're a little bit closer now. So uh, with all that being said, I had fun talking. hope you had fun listening. I will catch you guys on the next episode. Very much. Thank you guys for, uh, you know, the feedback that you guys have been giving me for continuing to listen. Uh, I will catch you guys on the next one. This is and has been Peace Talk Podcast. I am Dave Peace. I will catch you next time.